I'm Richard Stockton with Stockton Farms in Moran, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another edition of Texas Ag Today locked, loaded, and ready to roll. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Biden administration continues to call out the four big meat packers. The president did that once again in his State of the Union address Tuesday night. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. As long as our drought continues in the Texas High Plains, it's going to be a huge factor in the decision-making of area farmers. For example, we could be looking at an increase in sorghum acres. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The impact on agriculture from the Russian invasion of Ukraine is impacting farmers and ranchers in Texas and across the United States. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Planting has resumed. The latest fronts have come in dry with a lot of wind that's spurring a number of wildfires much through the ranch country. We'll have those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. President Biden continued his push against the meatpacking industry in the State of the Union address Tuesday night, saying the lack of competition in the industry is not capitalism. Capitalism without competition is not capitalism. Capitalism without competition is exploitation. It drives up profits. And corporations have to compete. Their profits go up and your prices go up when they don't have to compete. Small businesses and family farmers and ranchers, I need not tell some of my Republican friends from those states. Guess what? You got four basic meatpacking facilities. That's it. You play with them, or you don't get to play at all. And you pay a hell of a lot more. A hell of a lot more because there's only four. Biden also announced efforts to bring broadband Internet access to all of rural America and to help improve shipping bottlenecks of agricultural products. Another week has passed, and another set of Texas wheat crop ratings is out. And there really isn't much of a change. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says wheat conditions are suffering throughout the southwest, but the worst wheat crop is right here in Texas. 
As of February 27th, we're looking at 75% of the Texas winter wheat crop rated in very poor-to-poor condition, 65% in Oklahoma, 38% in Kansas, moving to other crops, the oat crop, 69% very poor-to-poor in Texas, 39% in Oklahoma, and then rangeland and pastures also off to a rough start. Rippy says the warm temperatures and wind we've experienced this week has only made the situation worse. But the end of the week may bring a bit of moisture our way. As we get to the end of the week, we could see some light precipitation overspreading at least the central Great Plains. That could help out as you move into Kansas, Colorado, perhaps even some sprinkles or showers making it down into Oklahoma and North Texas. But it's going to take a lot more than that to revive these winter grains, oats and winter wheat. And that's setting us up for a tough situation as spring planting is now underway in central and south Texas. But things are not dry in all of the state. Luke Etheridge is a regional agronomist for BASF in south and east Texas. He says planters are rolling in south Texas and the coastal bend. And in some places, they're having to wait for the soil to dry out. For us to be wet, you know, in February and March when we start planting in south Texas, you know, it's kind of a good thing to slow down for a couple of days and wait on things to dry up and and plant but it it, it was going great guys were planting corn they get, they might have finished up planting a few acres of corn in the coastal bend and then we started right behind um, running grain sorghum etheridge says he expects cotton planting to begin this weekend in the rio grande valley the texas high plains drought could boost sorghum acres this year James Hunt tells us the drought will be a huge factor in 2022 crop selection. If you're a local farmer leaning towards sorghum, Brent Bean of the Sorghum Checkoff says seed should be in good supply. It's possible some of the more popular hybrids may go fairly quickly, but from talking to the seed companies, I think they had a good year this last year on seed production, so I think we're sitting in pretty good shape. That's good news because there's been some talk that our drought could trigger at least some increase in sorghum acres this year. That may not be too surprising because in dry times, sorghum holds a key advantage over corn. We've seen dry land and limited irrigated acres of corn increase uh, over the last few years due to some improvements in their genetics, and, and that's that's worked pretty well for some growers. But to get to the point that you make grain on corn, it takes about approximately 11 inches of water, and that's to the point that you start making grain. Sorghum, it's about 7 inches to get to the point that you're starting to make grain. And so when we have these dry periods like this where we just haven't had a chance to build our soil profile with water, that tends to favor those sorghum makers because these soils in our area, if you've got a oh, a clay loam soil, that'll typically hold oh, 1.5 to 2 inches of available water per foot. And so if you have that profile full down to 3 feet, well, you know, there's your 6 inches of water right there uh, to support that next crop. If you don't have that and your soil profile is dry, then that's going to make it more difficult to grow a dry land crop, regardless of what that crop is. But sorghum, the fact that it just requires less water to get to the point that will make grain, that's why farmers will lean towards that crop when we have a drought. More from Dr. Brent Bean of the Sorghum Checkoff tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Russian invasion of Ukraine has dominated the markets this week. Tom Nicoletti has the story. My guest today is Dr. Darren Hudson. He is director of the International Center for Agricultural Competitiveness at Texas Tech University. 
He joins us today from Lubbock. And uh, Darren, uh, just looking at the entire situation with this uh, Russian invasion into its neighbor of Ukraine, from an agricultural standpoint, uh, what are you seeing as far as the impact on the wheat and cotton here in Texas and the United States? Wheat has seen you know, pretty substantial increases. Other crops like uh, corn and sorghum and soybeans that are important to U.S. and Texas producers also seeing pretty substantial increases. Cotton sort of lagged behind, actually dropped a little bit in the initial stages, but has gone back up in the sense that I think what, what the market's doing is trying to adjust, saying, okay, we're losing cotton acres. We don't need to lose those. Prices are going to have to rise to do that in, in this process of these markets making adjustments. The first most obvious one is energy cost, diesel fuel, you know, all those things that are related to the sort of the raw energy side of production, agriculture, you know, face the immediate thing. We all see these at the pumps. It's been going on for some time, obviously, with inflation. This just exacerbates that problem. The second layer here, what you would call the derivatives from petroleum, and those include things like fertilizer, but also chemical inputs, pesticides, herbicides that go along with it. You know, it's important to remember, you know, Ukraine is a major exporter of fertilizer on top of its, you know, agricultural exports. So to the extent that those things are going to be taken off the market, it's going to drive those those prices up as well. That is Dr. Darren Hudson with Texas Tech University. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The planters are rolling in deep south Texas. Jim Hearn has an update from the Rio Grande Valley. Valley temperatures have started a slow but steady increase, and soil temperatures, well, they've been on the rise as well. Valley producers have been planting corn, sorghum, and cotton. Hopefully, it'll all be in by, say, mid-March. Now, fronts have been still moving through extreme south Texas. Morning lows have dipped even into the 30s and generally the 40s. The daytime highs have been upper 70s to low 80s. Now, the fronts have dropped daytime relative humidities into the, well, teens, and that has certainly been the catalyst for some large range fires. The largest fire to date in southern Brooks County and northern Hidalgo County consumed 1,500 acres. At one time, it was threatening as many as 40 homes and several hundred outbuildings. Well, much of the South Texas area could use a good rain to ease those burning indexes. The sugarcane harvest is moving rapidly. While the weather has been dry, the harvesters have been very busy. The citrus harvest, well, moving into Valencia oranges now. The price of citrus still excellent. The harvest of fall vegetables has also been brisk. The temperatures that dipped into the 30s and 40s have not been low enough to do any damage. The young onion crop is up and growing. The watermelon crop is also up and growing, and both are looking real good. Now, the valley will need to get a good rain soon and uh, keep all these row crops growing. The long-range outlook, though, is calling for warmer temperatures, and again, a nice rain would be great. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley reporting for Texas Ag Today. Hunter education is paying off in Texas. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And if you have horses, you've probably heard of navicular disease. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
break out your camera and snap a pic for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. You or someone you know can share your best photo with the entire Lone Star State and maybe win some cash, like $250 for first place, $200 for second place, and $100 for honorable mention. The contest is open to Texas Farm Bureau members or an immediate family member. Rural settings and lifestyles are the preferred themes for all submissions and contestants are limited to one entry per person. Top four winners will be selected and published in the July edition of Texas Agriculture and the summer edition of Texas Neighbors. Snap your pick now for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. The entry deadline is June 1st. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org for complete contest rules. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you're familiar with horses, you've probably heard of navicular disease. But Dr. Bob Judd says there are several other names for the same syndrome. Navicular syndrome has also been called caudal heel pain or pototroclosis. Regardless of the currently recommended name at the time, the syndrome is the same. Dr. Chris White indicated in the horse publication that 30 years ago it was believed that all horses with navicular disease had degeneration of the navicular bone. And I agree with this as this was the belief when I was in veterinary school. However, due to better diagnostic techniques like ultrasound and MRI, we now know that many structures around the navicular bone can be involved, including the navicular bursa, coffin joint, ligaments surrounding the navicular bone, and the deep digital flexor tendon. If one of the surrounding structures is damaged, it causes extra pressure on the navicular bone. Horses with this syndrome generally have a short, choppy gait and will sometimes stumble at a walk. And since both forelimbs are usually affected and the horse can only limp on one leg at a time, the lameness may seem to change from one foot to the other. Some horses will show some hoof tester pain over the heels, but nerve blocks are needed to determine the problem is in the foot. At this point, x-rays are usually performed to examine the navicular bone, but realize that x-rays can be normal in horses with navicular disease if the other structures around the bone are involved. Trimming as directed by x-rays is critical to treatment of navicular syndrome, and many cases require special shoeing techniques. Many horses require anti-inflammatories, at least initially for pain, and some horses respond to biphosphonates that prevent calcium loss from the navicular bone. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Hunter education is paying off here in Texas. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. Texas hunters reached a milestone in 2021. A new report from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department reveals that at one fatality and 11 incidents, hunting-related accidents were at the lowest they've been since the department began keeping records in 1966. Steve Hall, TPWD's Hunter Education Coordinator, says the decline in hunting-related accidents may be attributed to the success of hunter education in Texas. All you have to do is look at the data charts and you can see that inverse relationship that the number of students went up and the number of accidents went down. Hunter education became mandatory in 1988 and is now required for every hunter in Texas born on or after September 2, 1971. 
Hall equated it to seatbelt laws. Both save lives. I think that through the hunter education efforts, a few laws, you know, like blaze orange requirements and things like that, have helped to reduce incidences to a point where it really is one of the safer outdoor activities that you can even possibly imagine. The majority of the hunting-related accidents reported last year were due to swinging on game outside the safe zone of fire. 75% of the incidences this year is one we call swinging on game outside of a safe zone of fire. And it's a classic dove and quail and pheasant type of a hunting incident where somebody swings their gun at a fast-flying bird and they swing it outside of a safe zone of fire and they strike pellets into their partners or companions that are nearby. That was a little higher this year. It is the top incident anyway, but it was just a lot more prevalent this year. That was Steve Hall from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. We'll have more on this on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. A crazy week just gets crazier when it comes to our agricultural markets. We'll take a closer look at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org stress to learn more. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It's the same story we've heard all week in the agricultural markets. The Russian invasion of Ukraine is pushing grain prices sharply higher. That, in turn, is pushing cattle prices lower. Thursday was no exception, with both live and feeder cattle feeling the heat from the climb in the grain markets. April live cattle down $1.75, 138.35. June down $1.35 at 135.15. August live cattle down $1.05, 135.65. March feeder cattle dropped $1.95 to close at 156.35. April feeders down 247 at 16052. The May contract down 250, closing at 16550. Cash fed cattle market this week. We've seen cattle sell here in the south at 140 to 141. That's one to two dollars lower compared to last week. Up north, we're seeing live sales at 141 to 142, dress sales at 225. Again, that's also $1 to $2 lower compared to the previous week. Boxed beef was lower on Thursday. Choice down $0.98, cents, $2.54.74. Select down $1.90 at $2.49.44. 
Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Let's sit down here at Granny Marble's kitchen table and have a hot colach, a cup of coffee, and a glass of iced tea and visit with Henry Pickett from Abilene Livestock about the sale he had this last Tuesday in Abilene. Henry, how many noses did you count? Oh, it ended up pretty good. We had a little over 700 total cattle with about 110 cows. Uh, the market was still pretty strong. Uh, we had some uh, 500. We had some 525-pound steers bring upwards of a dollar 95. Some 600-pound steers bring upwards of 185. And then we had these high-yielding Packer cows. We had some bring 90 to a dollar this week, and Packer bulls bring a dollar 15. Good. How did the the Abilene sale compare to the sales earlier in the week? Uh, just kind of steadied a couple dollars higher. Good. Everything just continues to get higher. I don't know how it's doing it or where they're going with them. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to economists from uh, Oklahoma State yesterday say at some point the the liquidation is going to hit and the other shoe will fall and, and we'll have some drops in price. But he said, I don't know when it's coming, but I think it'll probably come. Oh, I think he's right. Now, how about next week? Will it hold on? We've had a few calls already. People test want to test the market and I told them don't wait. If they want to sell, they better sell now. All right. Well, sell there at Abilene Livestock. They sell them every Tuesday. Henry Pickett's the proprietor. Tell everybody how to contact you, sir. Here at the barn, we can be reached at 325-673-7865 or my mobile number is 940-733-8208. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble from the Rolling Plains reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thank you much, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs. Close lower on Thursday. April hogs down $1.10, 105.20. The May down 52 cents at 110.50. Class 3 milk was higher. March milk up 18 cents, 22, 42, 100 weight. April milk up 34 at 23.39. The cotton market still trying to figure out how to digest this Russia-Ukraine news. Now, we did have a strong export sales report released Thursday morning. That helped to push cotton prices higher, but traders are keeping a nervous eye on the energy markets right now. May cotton up 126 points Thursday, closing at 119.80. October cotton up 77 at 105.33. The December up 77, 101.58. The fireworks continue in the grain markets. Corn finishing strongly higher Thursday. March corn up 12 and a quarter, 751 and a quarter. While new crop September corn was up four and a quarter, 631 and three quarters. The wheat market locked limit up all day long. We close with July Kansas City wheat up 75 cents at 11.33 a bushel. July Chicago wheat up the limit 75 cents, closing at 11.16 and a quarter. In the energy markets, April natural gas down three cents at 4.73. April crude oil down a dollar 85, 108.75 a barrel. The financial markets were lower on Thursday afternoon. The Dow down 124 points, 33,767. The Nasdaq down 227 at 13,525. The S&P down 28, 4,358. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. 
be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.